Chapter Thirteen of Maggie, a Girl of the Streets. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alana Jordan. Maggie, a Girl of the Streets by Stephen Crane. Chapter Thirteen. Jimmy did not return home for a number of days after the fight with Pete in the saloon. When he did. He approached with extreme caution. He found his mother raving. Maggie had not returned home. The parent continually wondered how her daughter could come to such a pass. She had never considered Maggie as a pearl dropped unstained into Rum Alley from heaven, but she could not conceive how it was possible for her daughter to fall so low as to bring disgrace upon her family. She was terrific in denunciation of the girl's wickedness. The fact that the neighbors talked of it maddened her. When women came in and, in the course of their conversation, casually asked, "Where's Maggie these days?" the mother shook her fuzzy head at them and appalled them with curses, cunning hints inviting confidence. She rebuffed with violence, and wid all the bringin' up she had, how could she? Moaningly, she asked of her son. With all the talkin' with her, I did, and the things I told her to remember. When a girl is bringed up the way I bringed up Maggie, how can she go to the devil? Jimmy was transfixed by these questions. He could not conceive how, under the circumstances, his mother's daughter and his sister could have been so wicked. His mother took a drink from a squidgy bottle that sat on the table. She continued her lament. She had a bad heart, that girl did, Jimmy. She was wicked to the heart, and we never knowed it. Jimmy nodded, admitting the fact. We lived in the same house with her, and I brought her up, and we never knowed how bad she was. Jimmy nodded again. With a home like this and a mother like me, she went to the bad," cried the mother, raising her eyes. One day Jimmy came home, sat down in a chair, and began to wriggle about with a new and strange nervousness. At last he spoke shamefacedly, "Well, look a here, this thing queers us. See, we're queered, and maybe it'd be, be better if I think I can look her up, and maybe it'd be better if I fetched her home." And the mother started from her chair and broke forth into a storm of passionate anger. What? Let her come and sleep under the same roof with her mother again? Oh yes, I will, won't I? Sure. Shame on yez, Jimmy Johnson, for saying such a thing to your own mother. To your own mother. Little did I think when yez was a baby playing about me feet that ye'd grow up to say such a thing to your mother, your own mother. I never taught. Sobs choked her and interrupted her reproaches. There ain't nothing to raise such hell about," said Jimmy. "I only says it that I'd be better if we keep this thing dark. See, it queers us. See." His mother laughed a laugh that seemed to ring through the city and be echoed and re-echoed by countless other laughs. "Oh yes, I will, won't I? Sure." "Well, you must take me for a damn fool," said Jimmy, indignant at his mother for mocking him. I didn't say we'd make her into a little tin angel, nor nothin'. But the way it is now, she can queer us, don't you see? 
I shall get tired of the life after a while, and then she'll be wanna be coming home, won't she? The beast! I'll let her in then, won't I? Well, I didn't mean none of this prodigal business anyway," explained Jimmy. "It wasn't no prodigal daughter, you damn fool," said the mother. "It was prodigal son, anyhow." "I know that," said Jimmy. For a long time they sat in silence. The mother's eyes gloated on a scene her imagination could call before her. Her lips were set in a vindictive smile. "I shall cry, won't she, and carry on." And tell how Pete or some other fellow beats her, and she'll say she's sorry and all that, and she ain't happy. She ain't, and she wants to come home again. She does. With grim humor, the mother imitated the possible wailing notes of the daughter's voice. Then I'll take her in, won't I, De Beast? She'll cry her eyes out on the stones of the street before I'll dirty the place with her. She abused and ill-treated her own mother. Her own mother, what loved her, and she'll never get another chance this side of hell. Jimmy thought he had a great idea of women's frailty, but he could not understand why any of his kin should be victims. Damn her, he fervidly said. Again, he wondered vaguely if some of the women of his acquaintance had brothers. Nevertheless, his mind did not, for an instant, confuse himself with those brothers. Nor his sister with theirs. After the mother had, with great difficulty, suppressed the neighbors, she went among them and proclaimed her grief. May God forgive that girl was her continual cry. To attentive ears, she recited the whole length and breadth of her woes. I bringed her up the way a daughter ought to be bringed up, and this is how she served me. She went to the devil the first chance she got. May God forgive her. When arrested for drunkenness, she used the story of her daughter's downfall, with telling effect upon the police justices. Finally, one of them said to her, peering down over his spectacles, "Mary, the records of this and other courts show that you are the mother of forty-two daughters who have been ruined. The case is unparalleled in the annals of this court, and this court thinks." The mother went through life shedding large tears of sorrow. Her red face was a picture of agony. Of course, Jimmy publicly damned his sister that he might appear on a higher social plane. But arguing with himself, stumbling about in ways that he knew not, he once almost came to a conclusion that his sister would have been more firmly good had she better known why. However, he felt that he could not hold such a view. He threw it hastily aside. End of chapter thirteen. Recording by Alana Jordan in St. Louis, Missouri.